0: Alright, it's good to be here with you this morning. Um, Give me just a second to get my technology going. The light come on up there. Alright. So I'm going to try to have all the verses... Up here on the screen today, I'll have to do a little back and forth between the PowerPoint and the uh, e-sword. Let's see. There we go. So, um, before me and Matt did a little bit of trading, um, he was talking about um, this exploring the idea of uh, free choice. Free will, and I'm hoping that he's talking some about the source of those things. But, um, you know, I thought, well, a good follow up would be to talk about the consequences of some of those choices. Um, For those that weren't in Matt's class today, we did talk for a moment about uh, how Paul went about encouraging. Uh, Timothy, and he used a lot of different ropes. We used the we talked about this idea, you know, hey, if you're afraid you're going to fall off the back of the boat or you do fall off the back of the boat, how am I going to, how am I going to get back on the boat? Well, there's heaven to think about. There's that rope, you know. And then there's um you know, this idea of gratitude for what was done for me. You know, Jesus did these things for you. Uh you're uh, mom and your grandma taught you these things. You've got an obligation there. You know, I did these things for you. You know, it's, it's all these different rescue ropes. And really, when we get together, our lessons are usually about one of these ropes, right? Not not all that long ago, I did a lesson on the devil, you know, and we know which rope that is, <laughs> We're gonna pull up and get back on the boat so we don't you know fall in with him. Um, so as we think about all of these different things that motivate us um, to do right, one of those um, actually has to do you know I said something to Matt, you know, sometimes as a in the class, sometimes as a parent,. Uh, You may be feeling down a little bit. You may not be that motivated about heaven. You may not be feeling all that much gratitude for what Jesus did for you in that moment, but you'll be thinking about, well, you know, I've got all these relationships, kids and a wife and the people that are around me, you know, folks at work that I've worked with and taught. uh, They're counting on me to do right. They're counting on me to have a good attitude even though sometimes I don't, right? You know, in other words, uh, this lesson is a little bit about, you know, it's about the consequences of sin, but what I want you to think about is as we go through this in the class to come, how important um, my decisions are to others um, you know, the impact that it has on others and how important it is that I uh, even keep my thoughts in the right place. Um, You know, we're going to talk in the class some about Lot, you know, the choices that Lot made, you know, the consequences of those choices, what God says, what the Word says about Lot. Uh, We're going to talk about some of those things And in some of that, you can see how attitudes and thoughts um, have an impact. And we want to look at, we're going to go back through, we're going to have a good bit of Old Testament. And what I want you to do is think about, you know, well, is this really how this works? Is this how sin and its consequences work? Uh, You know, we're we're going to go all the way back to Adam. And, um, you know, when we think about uh, forgiveness of sin, God's grace and mercy, uh, yes, all those things are there. And, yes, heaven is there for a reward. But what about the consequences of sin? What about the consequences of our choices? Um, You know, what, what, what about those things? And so that's what this morning is about. Um, this is in Exodus 34. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet... He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And, of course, you've got this image here, you know, uh, great-grandpa, grandpa, grandpa, dad, and kid, right? And when we think about uh, sin and uh, how it affects other people, You know, Gary and I were just talking briefly. When you're in the real estate business, you see how people act and what happens at the end of life, you know, and uh, the decisions that people make about how they're going to act in those moments often affect the family for generations and those relationships for generations. And uh, we see that and we know that. And we know that that sin, you know, whether in a lot of cases what we see, you know, whether it's greed or envy or whatever it may be, those effects, it's not just you that it affects. It's, it's on and on. Um, that quote that I just read in Exodus 34, uh, this idea of going to the fourth generation, that's actually found four times in scriptures. It's not, this isn't just one-off deal. Um, and the question is, you know, what legacy will you leave for your children? You know, this is another one of those lessons, you know, and it's not just your children. It's the people around you. What about the people here? You care about these folks? And, you know, does your decision making process, your thoughts and your attitudes and your actions affect other people? And the answer, of course, is yes. <clears throat> no one, this is Deuteronomy 23, no one of illegitimate birth, illegitimate birth shall enter the assembly of the Lord. None of his descendants, even to the tenth generation, shall enter the assembly of the Lord. No Ammonite or Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord. None of their descendants even to the tenth generation shall ever enter the assembly of the Lord, because they did not meet you with food and water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam the son of Beor from Pethor of uh, Mesopotamia to curse you. Now, you know, this is um, a picture of God that... um, People don't paint very often, right? They don't. They don't like this. This isn't a popular view, right? Uh, you know, I've heard this concept uh, in modern religion of the born-again virgin, right? Well, I've been baptized, so you know, I'm starting all over clean. There's no consequence, you know. All the consequences are wiped away of my previous decisions. Now, so these children, did they commit the acts that they were penalized for? And the answer is no. Right? Um, so when we start to look at the consequences of sin, there's a little bit to think about. So this is Judges. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord and the God of their fathers who had brought them out of of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtaroth. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, and the Lord had spoken. And as the Lord had sworn to them so that they were severely distressed. You know, there were promises for prosperity, prosperity, Uh, reward for obedience but there was also promises that their sins would have consequences and we see that um, God follows through on his promises either way and so we're aware of this Satan's big lie sin will make you happy and there's no bad consequences right and I want you to think what's another lie well, I can make this choice just for me and it'll only affect me, right? I'm going to make this choice to sin and I'll be the only one that has to pay the price if there's a price to pay, all right? That's that's another part of the lie that the devil would have you to believe, all right? Let me read this in uh, Deuteronomy 29. I'm going to start in verse 19. I'm going to get there for you. Let's see. What I say? twenty nine, nineteen. Yep. All right. It shall be when he hears the words of this curse that he will boast saying, I have peace though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart in order to destroy the watered land with the dry. So think about the statement. I have peace though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. All right, and think about, you know, what we read about the history of the Israelites. Would this have been an attitude that probably recurred among the people a good bit? And do you think that it was just the Israelites and that we would never do that? We would never think that I'm going to have peace and things are going to go good with me, even though I'm stubborn. I'm going to be disobedient. I'm going to do my will, not his will. But things are going to go okay because, you know, I see it goes okay for other people when they make those choices. The Lord shall never be willing to forgive them, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will burn against that man and every curse which is written in this book will rest on him and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. Then the Lord will single him out for adversity from all the tribes of Israel according to all the curses of the covenant which are written in this book of the law. Now the generation to come, your sons who will rise up after you and the foreigner who comes from a distant land, when they see the plagues of the land and the diseases with which the Lord has aff- afflicted it, will say, All its land is brimstone and salt, a burning waste, unsown and unproductive, and no grass grows in it like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah. Adma and Zeb, Zeboam which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath all the nations will say why is the Lord? why has the Lord done thus to the land why this great outburst of anger then men will say because they forsook the covenant of the Lord the God of their fathers which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt they went and served other gods and worshipped them gods who they have not known and whom they have not allotted to them Uh, Therefore the anger of the Lord burned against that land to bring upon it every curse which is written in the book. And the Lord uprooted them from from their land in anger and in fury and in great wrath and cast them into another land as it is this day. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law." So we see a group of people that thought they were going to be exempt from the consequences of sin, who indeed were not. Um, And of course, a lot of the Old Testament, you know, basically is uh, a recap of the consequences of sin like that. Uh, What you see in this uh, verse is that your family and your nation and the land itself could be cursed by your sin. You know, I think about this as being God's people, and I think of us as God's people today. What does, think about, what does the Bible say about the Christian who goes back to sin as their practice? Is he in the same condition As the world, the lost world, it's worse, isn't it? Isn't that what it says? That it's worse. Um, So, you know, you think about some of this stuff and you wonder, is that the legacy that you want to take with you into eternity? Adam and Eve. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Therefore, just as uh, through one man sin entered entered into the world and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Job 14.1 Man who is born a woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. So I want you to ask yourself why is the statement that we see in Job true? Why is that true? That man who is born a woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Why is that? if we were completely surrounded by folks that were completely in the, in the do-right mode all the time, all the time, uh, would that be less true? Wouldn't it? If there was less sin, wouldn't that be less true? Doesn't it seem that sin and its consequences, really, are what makes that statement in Job true? Right? Right? So every time I make a choice to sin or somebody else makes a choice to sin, what does that do for the condition of where we are? Does that have consequences? And you can kind of see how it works, you know. I look at Cain, Genesis 4, starting in verse 11. Now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand when you cultivate the ground it will no longer yield its strength to you you will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth Cain said to the Lord my punishment is too great to bear behold you have driven me this day from the face of the ground from and from your face I will be hidden and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me you know we know that God Tells him, you know, he's not going to be killed, but um, he didn't say the other stuff, wasn't true. Um, We're going to read a passage here in 2 Samuel 12. 2 Samuel 12. All right, starting in verse 9. Of course, you all will recognize where we are in the story. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, having taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will, take up, I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do the same before all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also taken away your sin, you shall not die however because of this, by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the lord to blaspheme the child also that is born to you shall surely die so did david get a free pass so here's the rule here in exodus If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall pay five oxen for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. You know, there's no clarification necessarily in the scriptures to tell us, you know, this is what happened with David, but we see that he's, you know, lost four sons and or suffered four calamities as a result of stealing that sheep. You know, so when when we think about you know, God's rules for consequences. Do we see those things play out? And, you know, you think about the glorious nature of David's life, the things that are said. You know, wouldn't I want to be, it to be said of me that I was a man after God's own heart uh, to have written all those psalms, to have been a great leader of those people, But who's ever read the whole story of David and said, "Man, I'd love to live that life." I I don't. I don't read that story and say, "Well, I'd I'd love to trade with David and go, you know, go do all that." I mean, that's tough. All right. One of the things that we see, one of the consequences of sin, and one of the consequences of the choice to sin, it seems, um, can be this idea of blindness. <coughs> so, John 12, starting in verse 40, is blinded their eye and hardened their heart so that they would not see with their eye and perceive with their heart and be converted, and I heal them. All right, so. Is this going to be people that were doing everything they could do to do God's will? Or is this going to be folks that made another choice? Hebrews 13, starting in verse 12 Take care, brethren, that there not be any in you, any in any one of you, an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called the day so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This idea of being hardened or blind seems to kind of go together. But again, we talked a little bit about, you know, the difference between somebody in the world making a choice like that rather than somebody falling away from the living God, somebody who was with God and then developed this unbelieving heart, falls away from God, um, what's the condition? So that none of you be, will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This idea that sin actually somehow disguises itself in your conscience. Like, As you make that choice, you become blind to what the truth is. You become blind to your actual condition. And if you don't see your condition, what's the chances that you're going to fix it? Not too good. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. So... When you think about the consequences of sin, there's a couple things you want to look at up here, I think. So we talked about what would happen, you know, I guess, in here and maybe in your heart. Boy, is that, I hope that's not hard-headed evidence right there. That thing made quite a racket. Oh, uh, The futility of their mind. How does that happen? You know, what's going on with their thinking? Being darkened in their understanding. Do you all see that? How does that happen? What what has to go on inside me that my understanding is darkened? Excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. Is this ignorance that God Put in them, or is this ignorance that they chose for themselves? Again, I think we're talking about choice, right? This is a choice that they made, and if you're honest about it and you think about it a minute, you can kind of look, and you can see that this is happening. This happens to folks all. This is happening all the time, all around. Right? People make a choice. Why is it? that they're excluded from the life of God. Why is it that this ignorance is in them? Why do they possess that hardness of heart toward the truth of who God is? Why is that? And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to the sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. So... Are we getting back to the source of why? what was the motive for the choice that was made? Is the motive for the choice revealed here in this verse? Is it that basically they wanted to do what they wanted to do, right? You think about folks that say, I'm an atheist, or, you know, I don't believe all that stuff. Well, there's a lot of evidence. Uh, If we go back and read Romans, uh, we can see what God supposes they're supposed to see when they look out there and see this creation, right? But there's a lot, there's a lot in this passage that deals with this idea of what happens to me when I make this choice to sin, when, when when I let these motives get a hold of me, is there a consequence that's hard to come back from for that? I think we can see that it is. Um, you know, s- certainly you that are older have gone and Visited with folks, um, you know, that have uh, left the truth, left the church, and dealt with them. And you've you probably, like me, dealt with folks that uh, were still tenderhearted and came back, made the changes they need to make. And you've probably dealt with a few that, you know, you could already start to see some of the evidence of these things right here. And um, it's a super, super sad thing. Uh, I've seen it happen. I know this. I know this is real. This happens. All right. Let's read this passage in Job. I'm going to turn to it. Job fifteen twenty through thirty five. All right. The wicked man rises in pain all his days, and numbered are the years stored up for the ruthless. Sounds of terror in his ears, while at peace the destroyer comes upon him. He does not believe that he will return from darkness, and he is destined from the so- for the sword. He wanders about for food, saying, Where is it? He knows that a day of darkness is at hand. Distress and anguish terrify him. They overpower him like a king ready for the attack. Because he has stretched out his hand against God and conducts himself arrogantly against the Almighty, he rushes headlong at him with his massive shield, for he has covered his face with his fat and made his thighs heavy with flesh. He has lived in desolate cities and houses that no one would inhabit, which are destined to become ruins. He will not become rich, nor nor will his wealth endure, and his grain will not bend down to the ground. He will not escape from darkness. The flame will wither his shoots, and by the breath of his mouth he will go away. Let him not trust in emptiness, deceiving himself, for emptiness will be his reward. It will be accomplished before his time, and his palm branch will not be green. He will drop off his unripe fruit, a grape like the vine, and will cast off his flower from the olive like the olive tree, For the company of the godless is barren, and fire consumes the tents of the corrupt. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity, and their mind prepares deception. Now, that sounds a lot like Proverbs to me. You know, that that sounds like Proverbs. And when Proverbs talks about things like this, does it talk in the idea of generalities? Does the Bible also tell us that evil will evil folks will prosper? Does the Bible tell us evil folks will prosper? It does. all right So is that always true? Because the Bible's telling us two different things. So we're talking about we're talking in generalities, right? These things are generally true. You make these choices, generally this is what happens. Is, is this always what happens? Will justice be served in the end? Will they be held in account for their actions and choices? Yes. Right? And we do see that clearly. I thought I was turning the page on my PowerPoint. Psalm 38.3 There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. Proverbs 13.15 Good understanding produces favor, but the way of the treacherous is hard. Proverbs 28, 13. He who who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Um, So if you find yourself in the spot where, you know, you've got sin, it's there, you've done it, you're past it, there it is. um, What do you do about it? Do you hide it? Do you cover it up? Do you pretend it didn't happen? Or do you deal with it? What's going to have the best result? All right. We know what's going to have the best result. We're going to confess and forsake those things, right? But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. <coughs> then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. Instead, he will hide his face from them at that time because they have practiced evil deeds. Timothy 4.1 starting in verse 1 but the spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Um, We've got to be careful uh, about this idea of Deceit. Got to be careful about choices we make and the things that we believe. So last slide. Numbers 32, 23. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sins will find you out. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, this will he also reap. For one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And you see this, I just basically wanted to have an Old and a New Testament reference that basically said the same thing. uh, That, um, you know, what you sow, you will reap. Um, There is forgiveness uh, there is an opportunity for salvation for everybody, for anybody. Um, for all those that sin, that confess, repent the, repent of those things and confess those things, uh, they can become what we find in the New Testament to be blameless. Um, for those that haven't become Christians, that have never been obedient to the gospel, um, we'd ask you to be baptized. If you know that that's what you need to do, we'd uh, offer that opportunity to do that at this time. If uh, you find that you've fallen away and you need to confess and repent of those things, ask for the prayers of the saints here, we'd ask you to do that while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. When the trumpet of the Lord is to shall be no more, and the, more, and the morning breaks eternal.